Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. All right, so we are in week two of the series called All In, where um, I am trying to convince you through the scripture that loving generously is the key to great relationships. Well, um, it's interesting how things happen during the week, and this has been a busy week for us. And on Tuesday, uh, there was a group here from the church, and we were helping uh, someone in the church move from their uh, one house to another. They just uh, changed rental houses. And on that day, um, I, I was part of going all in. I don't know if you've seen the pictures, but uh, we had gotten a U-Haul truck, and um, we, we got it stuck. How did we get it stuck? Well, we went all in. And, and here's what was funny was um, we didn't get it stuck one time. No, no, we got it stuck twice. If, you, if you're seeing those pictures, if you look at the one on your left, you see that, that double rut, and that's where the back tires had gotten stuck. And so uh, owning a, a truck, I decided that I could push the U-Haul out, and I am proud to tell you that I successfully uh, did that. And, um, and so Josh Cross was helping me, and he was driving the U-Haul, and so he backed it up into the yard, and we were on the phone talking to each other, and I said, uh, you know, I said, I think that, you know, you can get over that ditch, but you got to go fast. He goes, I was thinking the same thing. And sure enough, he gassed it. Well, we underestimated how wet that ditch was, and that truck didn't go anywhere. And so uh, it took us a little bit. We had to call a local uh, uh, towing company. Uh, took two of their trucks to get it out. Um, but folks, this is what I mean when I say let's go all in. And, and here's the great thing. Nothing was injured. All of the house got moved. It might have taken us maybe an hour longer than we had anticipated. But uh, God uh, gave us a story to tell you about going all in. And here's the reality. Um, I want you to understand that based on 1 Corinthians uh, 14 and verse 1, it says, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it, because it does. Now, if you're actually looking at your Bible and you're thinking, that's not what my Bible says, um, this is actually taken from the message. And uh, Eugene Patterson wrote that. It was, it's not a translation. It was a paraphrase where he um, was actually interested in kind of bringing the Bible to life. And so I love reading the message, and I think that uh, you will too if you find it, because it, it, it takes those words, certainly brings it into uh, the 21st century um, vocabulary, and, and he does it in such a way that allows us to, to probably hear what was behind the speaker's intent. Well, um, as you can see, loving generously is the key to all relationships, and you may feel like, or, or maybe even be afraid, that if you go all in, you're going to be like us with that U-Haul truck, and you're going to get stuck. And, and here's what I want you to know, is that it, that's, that may happen for a short period of time, but I promise you, you can get out of that. 
And so um, maybe, have you ever experienced an empty feeling after getting a new job? Like, like it was the job that you wanted. You've been waiting. It might have been months. It might have been years. You get the job, and then a couple of weeks or a couple of months into it, you're like, you know what? Um, this isn't what I expected. Or maybe uh, you bought a new home, and you, so you get moved in, and a couple of weeks or a couple of months into that, you realize, you know what? I kind of enjoyed the old neighborhood. Or maybe, um, you know, you traded in your wife for a new wife, and, and you realize, you know what? It wasn't the old wife. Well, uh, here's what I want you to understand. There's a reason why we look to the future, and we want to, to find better and, and we keep telling ourselves it's just around the corner. It's on the other side of the fence. It was interesting. I came across a, a post that one of our church members uh, put out there. And um, Andrew Clark Counseling had said a couple of things. I wanted to share a couple of quotes from this. And it says, first, that we convince ourselves that life will be better after we get married, after we have a baby, then another. And we keep doing this and we perpetuate it. Uh, then we're frustrated that the kids aren't old enough and then we'll be more content when they are. But then they get older and we want, you know, we, uh, they become teenagers and we want them to be beyond uh, the teenage status. And then after that, um, we're happy for a little bit and then we realize we miss them being in that home all the time. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to continue to look for something else, something more, something different. And in reality, I think what the Bible, and, and this is what it said at the very end of that article it says, love like you've never been hurt. You know, that's probably what holds most people back from loving is that they've been hurt. And I'm here to tell you that God's word is sure. His promises never come back void or empty. And so with that in mind, let's see what the Bible says about why love matters. And I'm just going to show you three different verses. And the first verse is um, 1 Corinthians in uh, chapter 13 and verse 1. And my first point is this, that achievement without love is hollow. And the verse reads, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Now the reality is that life is all about relationships. You know, this, this may get confused when we start thinking about academic achievement. I mean, just a few weeks ago and some a, month, a few months ago, a bunch of high school graduates finished their, their high school uh, tour. They, many have already started into college. And probably what will happen is in four years, uh, they're going to be finished with college and they're going to look back and they won't be as fulfilled as they thought that, they thought that college was going to be better than high school. And they find out that it wasn't. And then they're going to tell themselves that, well, now that I'm in the real world, that's going to be better than the, the college lifestyle. And they're going to find out that it's not. And why is that? Well, because a lot of times we miss that life is all about relationships. You know, maybe it's not the academic achievement. Maybe it's career achievement. You know, when I look back on my military career, it wasn't about the promotions. It wasn't about the jobs that I held. It was about the people that I met the people who invested in my life and I invested in them. You know, my first base, Scott Air Force Base, just down the road from here, that's where I met Carrie. You know, made her an offer she couldn't refuse. She's been uh, following me around ever since. And I have been blessed uh, from that assignment over at Scott Air Force Base. Uh, we both went down to Tampa, Florida, McDill Air Force Base. Um, I met two men who just uh, became brothers with. Um, Scott Sherwood and Steve Triggs, 
uh, Scott Sherwood. Uh, matter of fact, we have a vacation planned uh, later on this year to go with him and his wife. Um, you know, so that was a, a McDill investment. Then we ended up in um, Biloxi, Mississippi at Keesler Air Force Base. And family after family, just a few weeks ago, um, Joan uh, Boudwin came and visited us. And she was somebody who invested, us, invested in us in our life for those 10 years in, in such an incredible way. Then I go down to Eglin Air Force Base, another one of my assignments. Lots. I mean, that's where I was ordained um, as a pastor. That is where um, I knew that it was getting close to time to get out of the Air Force and go into the ministry. So, you know, career achievement is not so much about what we achieve and uh, what that status results in, but who we become and the people that we interact with along the way. And then finally, spiritual achievement. You know, if you, sometimes we get stuck on this in the church and, and, and we're looking for some spiritual achievement and, and, and we're looking for meaning in life. Matter of fact, everybody, whether they come to church or not, are looking for that, that meaning in life. They want to they wanna give themselves to a bigger purpose. And that's what our mission here at the church is. There is no bigger purpose than eternal security for those who ask Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Well, it doesn't always uh, work that way. And what happens is, um, at the end of the day, all of us one day are going to most likely be on our deathbed. Some it's going to go a little quicker. Some it might be drawn out. And those that have that time to reflect, and maybe it's in the hospital or maybe it's at home, um, I've never heard that they asked, hey, would you go get me that award that I won 50 years ago or 20 years ago or even 10 years ago? They don't want to look at that plaque. I've never heard them say, hey, let me look at that bank statement one more time. I mean, look at all of this money that I've accumulated throughout my life. Man, I'm, I'm happy about that. You know, I've never heard them say, hey, let me check out that resume that, uh, that I used. And then I've never heard them uh, ask for one of their favorite jobs, the job description from it. You know who they ask for? They ask for their family, and they ask for their friends. You know, one of the biggest blessings for me when my mom passed away, and she was in the hospital for about seven days when, when that happened, um, was that during that seven days, over 120 of her friends came and visited her in ICU. That is a, a life well lived. That is a life my mom loved generously, and it showed at the end of her life. And the same thing is true for us, that sometimes if, if we are living and loving generously, um, we don't see the results until uh, many years later. Well, I um, came across this story about Jimmy Johnson. He's the, he was, at this time, the coach of the Dallas Cowboys. This was uh, like the first year after he had uh, taken over the, the coach and um, they were going up to the Super Bowl uh, for the first time. And um, they did an interview on him in Sports Illustrated. And in that article, his son said that the best pet for his dad would be a goldfish. And here's why. Because when Jimmy Johnson took over the Dallas Cowboys, he immediately divorced his wife. He had been a college coach, and he said, I needed a wife for college football because of the different... Uh, dynamics, but as an NFL coach, I didn't, and he, and he cut her off, and really just walked out of the life of his family. Why? Because his desire for achievement in the NFL was greater than his desire for relationships. It's a sad commentary, but it's what his son felt. Well, you know, 
I learned years ago to start focusing on making memories. I mean, this past Tuesday, I guarantee you, if you talk to the people who were there, they told you, I said, hey, we're making memories today. And we certainly were. Um, but I learned that concept because I am typically guilty of looking to the future, to a fault. Um, it, it could be here at work. It could be when I was in my military career. It, w- it couldn't be at home. It might be just driving down the road, you know, trying to pass the next vehicle that's uh, in front of me. And what happens is we think about tomorrow at the expense of today. We, we lose the relationship that's sitting right beside us because we're worried about next week or next month. And so through a, <laughs> a series of processes, I learned to stop and smell the roses. My wife is extremely, been, she was the reason why I learned to, to be able to do this. And so um, I want to tell you about uh, December in 2014 that we called a December to remember. And here's why. Um, our schedule was busy and, and it was crazy packed. Uh, we were living in Florida at the time. And so as we started talking about all these things that were getting onto our calendar, we were thinking about what do we need to cut out because we're just not going to have enough time. And we decided, you know what, we're going to go all in. We're going to make this a December to remember. And one of the things that stood out to me about that month was um, I and my uh, squadron commander had the opportunity to be jingle and jangle in our um, medical group uh, Christmas party. So our commander, you see her there in the middle, uh, she had walked into my commander's office and said, hey, I would love for you and Sergeant Tabor to be jingle and jangle. And uh, we were the MCs for this uh, uh, party. There was about 700 people there. It was crazy. Uh, Matter of fact, I remember uh, our introduction. The music came on. The lights were down. And I ran up onto the stage and I jumped off the stage and did a toe touch. All right. Now, yes, I, I could probably do it right now. But here's the problem. I can touch my toes, but getting my feet back down quick enough um, sometimes doesn't work out that way. And and that was the case. Here's all these people watching. uh, Jump up, touch my toes. I hit the dance floor. The shoes that I had on were really slippers, and they slipped off. And so I just, I started kind of trying to catch myself running. And then I basically fell right on my uh, chest and slid across the floor. And at that time, it was a popular thing to do called planking. And so I, I put myself right into a plank, um, acting like that was part of it. But you know what? It had nothing to do. I was making memories. Well, later that month, um, I, I was very proud of an achievement that I uh, was uh, able to do. And that was uh, I got myself on the cover of a national magazine. It was crazy because um, a couple months after this was out, my uh, mother-in-law is in um, Barnes Jewish Hospital, and she g- goes to the radiology department, and she's sitting there in the waiting room, and and they've got this magazine sitting right there. And she goes, "Hey, that's my son-in-law," and so that was a, a great time, uh, a great uh, opportunity uh, for me, something that I'm very proud of. And then later on that month, um, Carrie and I uh, did something that I don't recommend any couples do. All right, I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, we ran a half marathon. And let me just tell you how this happened. Um, Carrie had, we, we, we were moving in 2013 from Scott Air Force Base down to uh, Fort Walton Beach, Florida. And she, right before we moved, she had ran a half marathon with a, a great friend of hers, Liz. And when she was down in Florida, I knew she had the itch to go and do another half marathon. I knew I wasn't the, the person to do that with. And so I encouraged her, hey, you need to find another running partner. 
And um, so she looked for a little while. I don't know how long that was. But finally, I went to her, and I, I thought I would kind of put a fire under her. And I said, hey, babe, I said, if you can't find somebody to run with you, I'll run the half marathon with you. Three days later, uh, she comes in and gives me this um, app that says couch to half marathon. And she goes, we got to start training if we're going to get this done. And so uh, I was now going to run a half marathon with my wife. Well, you can see this picture here. This is the day of the half marathon. Um, and what had happened was at that time, I didn't have glasses and I didn't know I needed glasses. Um, but I found out right before this that I do. Because when I saw this sign at a distance, I thought it said 13. And so I'm just, I got a little bit of energy because a, a half marathon is only 13.1 miles. And I'm about to come up to the 13 and I've only got a tenth of a mile. I can do this. All right. I got, got a little bit of second wind and I ran. And as we got there, I realized this is only mile marker 10. It was so bad, we stopped to get a picture because of the way that uh, I was behaving. Um, and I still had a 5K to run. I wasn't ready mentally for this, but we finished it. And what did we do? We created a December to remember. How do we do that? By making memories. We didn't stop there. We ended up, I think that year for Christmas, we were in Clarksville, Tennessee. We were over here in Granite City, Illinois. And then we were down in Memphis, Tennessee, all within the span of about uh, 48 hours. So, again, December to remember, we stuffed everything we could in here. But the reality is, based on uh, Scripture, is that um, achievement without love is hollow. Now, that achievement was, was great for us. I mean, because we went all in and we invested in relationships all through that month. Well, you know, not only can achievement without uh, love be hollow, but let me tell you something else. Knowledge without love is meaningless. If you look at verse 2 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says it this way. I, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith to move mountains, but I do not have love, I'm nothing. And so, you know, one of the things that we've got to be careful of and be on guard for, even in the church, is that we get puffed up with knowledge. You know, I came across an article and it talked about the top 10 smartest people in history. And, and here was a list of them. Albert Einstein, you know, obviously that makes sense. Nikola Tesla, all right, there's another uh, genius. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci, Isaac Newton, Jesus Christ, and then Galileo and Stephen Hawking. Now, um, Stephen Hawking was the only one still alive and thinking about this. But right about this time, um, he passed away. And so, you know, one of his comments or quotes that he was famous for was this. I'm just going to read it to you. So as a world-renowned physicist and, and an atheist, here's what he said. We are each free to believe what we want. And it is in my view that the simplest explanation is that there is no God. No one created the universe and no one directs our fate. This leads me to a profound realization there is probably no heaven and no afterlife either. We have this one life to appreciate the grand design of the universe. And for that, I'm extremely grateful. This was at what everybody would concede was the smartest man alive on the planet Earth. This is what he said. But I'm here to tell you that on March 14th, 2018, when Stephen Hawking took his last breath, he changed from being an atheist to a, a firmly... Uh, believing in God. 
And, and what I would tell you is that we've got to be careful that we don't wait until it's too late to find out. God has given us his truth. It's in scripture. It's in the word. And, and I want to tell you this, that it's just not Stephen Hawking. You'll find it in churches all across America this morning. You'll find it in people that are watching messages online today. And they may know Christ, but they are, um, are yet not a Christian. They're not a Christ follower. They've never um, made it real in their life. Let me read you a uh, passage out of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28. And so the, the Pharisees had just tried to chip up Jesus and it didn't work. And, and so then he kind of throws a curveball back at them. In verse 28 it says, what do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. And the son answered, I will not. But later he changed his mind and he went. And then the father in verse 30 went to the other son and said the same thing. And he answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. So Jesus asked this question in verse 31. Which of the two did what the father wanted? And so in verse 32, he answers the question. The first they answered. And Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, the tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. You see, the difference between the two responses is on, on one hand, change occurred even though it took time. And then on the other hand, no change took place even though there was a, a verbal confession of it. And knowledge that doesn't affect our hearts is wasted. And so as we think about that, we've we got to realize as Christians, the Bible wasn't given to us just for us to uh, get more knowledge and to learn. The Bible was written to change us, to transform our lives. And so I came across another quote this week. It said, knowing about him will move us. Knowing him will transform us. And the reality is that we need more transformed lives in the church and less um, people who know Christ. We need them to be changed by having a heart knowledge. Well, the third verse in 1 Corinthians 13 tells us another principle, and that's this. Investment without love is bankrupt. The Bible verse says it this way, if I give all that I possess to the poor and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. You see, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You can give money to your children because you love them or you can give money to your children because you want to control them. It's all a matter of the heart. You can serve in the church because you uh, want to reach people and love on them. Or you can serve in the church because you are seeking redemption for your past sins and bad things that you've done. Again, it's a matter of the heart. You can pour your life out on you fill in the blank. And you miss the mark because of a matter of a heart. What this really comes down to is relational skimming. You know, this is where we give just enough so that we don't lose the relationship. You know, we do this at work. We do this at, with our families. We do this in the church. We do it in our hobbies. We do it with our friends. And we're practical about what others will tolerate. 
I asked this question last week in the, the men's small group. Why do we hurt those we love the most? We take them for granted, that's for sure. It's worked in the past. It's interesting, um, Andy Stanley wrote a book called Choosing to Cheat. And, and there he talked about how that we cheat on those relationships that are most dear to us for things that will pass through our hands like sand. Never make a difference. And so if our achievement, if our knowledge, if our investments... And there's no relationship any of those. What we'll find out is that they're going to ring hollow. They're going to be meaningless. And ultimately, we'll find out about being bankrupt and have bankrupt relationships. Well, I started last week with a, a concept of the five love languages. Gary Chapman had written a book, and it's a, incredible. And I hope if you haven't done so already, you'll take that survey um, if you go to version and you look up our church under events, you'll see there's a link in there that will take you right to uh, the Five Love Languages uh, quiz. Um, the, it was amazing to hear the men talk about how that they, it, what surprised them was that their, their wife's love language is totally different than they thought it was, which says that for the last months and years, they had been speaking to their wife and trying to say, I love you, but that wasn't resounding. And so no matter what the effort is, if we don't speak the right love language, it's not heard. And Jesus uh, had this uh, a verse that he uh, spoke to his disciples in Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. And it said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Here's what I want you to understand, that there's a reality um, behind the loneliness for people. And that's because we were made for something more. More than just achieving things at work. More than just um, getting fame and notoriety. We were created to have a quality relationship with God, the creator of the universe. Yes, you. No matter how little you think of yourself, God, your creator, thinks you're something special. Cares about you. Cared so much he sent his son to die on the cross for you. And what happens is when you don't experience that from God and you don't accept that, all of the other things in our life ring hollow. We don't experience fulfillment. And the best chance that any of your relationships can flourish and be healthy and be prosperous is for us to have the right relationship with God. And that's what we see here in Luke 14, 26. And you may be asking, did Jesus really mean that? That we're supposed to hate our brothers? I mean, aren't these the people we're supposed to love? And so what Jesus was doing was just a, using a technique where it, it was a shock factor. I mean, you saw him do this many times if you're familiar with the, either the parables that he told or the way that he interacted with the Pharisees. And here he is again working with the Pharisees and, he, and he's telling them that they need to hate their family and love him. Well, that didn't go over so well. And the same thing is true for us. That yes, Jesus said those words, and here's exactly what he meant. Is that our relationship with him should be one such that when we compare our relationships with our father, our mother, our wife, our children, brothers and sisters, that it looks like we hate them. Not that we do, but in comparison, 
That's what it looks like. And the way that we get a relationship like that is we speak a love language to God called quality time. You know, how much time do we invest in prayer? How much time do we invest in reading God's word? How much time do we listen to uh, God speak to us? How much time do we set aside and block out all the noise to hear from our Savior? Well, if you're finding out that all your relationships are hollow or empty, I can tell you why. It's because that relationship, the, the relationship through which all Christians will filter out all the other relationships in their life. If it's wrong, if it's off, if it's not everything it should be, you'll never be able to have everything you can have with your wife, with your husband, with your children, with your brothers and sisters, no matter what age. And the problem is that today in, you know, most religious people are nothing more than skimming on their relationship with God. They're fans. They're not disciples. You know, the, in, in this case, uh, in, in Jesus' uh, time, they traveled around with him and they watched him do the miracles and they, they saw all of the, the incredible things that he did. But you know what? People saw that firsthand and they walked away unbelieving. Today, in 2020, the same thing happens. People come to church. They uh, sing the songs. They spend time in prayer, but yet they're skimming on that relationship. They're just checking a box. They're just getting a little bit of time in. And they don't have the most that they can out of that relationship. They don't make time. You see, a lot of people try to find time to spend with God, and that just won't happen. You've got to make time. You've got you've to be able to make time when you're driving. You've got to be able to make time when uh, you're... This is one of the reasons why I love the YouVersion Bible app is because no matter where I'm at, if, I, if I'm not carrying my Bible with me, I've got it. I'm able to continue to read continue to study and then all of the different features whether it's um, where it reads the verses back and um, I can just listen to that or I can have that being read while I'm reading along lots of different ways depending on how you your learning style is that that can work for you but you got to make time maybe um, deep within you you've recognized that there's a strong desire to know and to be known by your God that you wish um, that you could realize, why is it that I was created? When the, the outside of the Bible, the number one best-selling book is The Purpose Driven Life. Why? Because everybody around the world wants to know why or what on earth I'm here for. And I don't think that you or I are any different than them. I would encourage you this. If you have never established a relationship with Jesus Christ, go to our website, tbccentralia.com slash next. And as you start going down there, I talk about different steps that every one of us has a next step to take. But the first step is the one where we get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd encourage you to read through that. And it culminates in Romans 10.10. And it says that if you believe with your heart, you will be saved. That's what it takes. And then once that salvation happens, that transformation happens in our lives, you will find out that all of your other relationships will change. Now, if you skim on that relationship with God, uh, it'll go back to normal, go back to what it used to be like, but it doesn't have to. Let me read to you what I believe. If God could um, give you some quality time, this is a a couple verses that you would want to read. And it comes out of Psalm 36. In verse 5, it says, Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. 
your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast you save, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. In verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. Christian, I would encourage you that if, if you are looking at your life and you realize that the achievement that you have tried, has it's, it's ringing hollow, just like 1 Corinthians 13.1 says to us. If you've noticed that um, the knowledge that you've acquired is meaningless because as you start to apply it in life, you realize that it, it's not making a difference. I would challenge you to start investing differently. You see, everything we do is either an act of love, one that we're giving, our time, our talent, our treasure, or it's a cry for love. And a cry for love typically is selfish, and it brings out the me monster in us. And so the, I asked you this question last week, and I'll change it just a little bit. Are you willing to go all in with this concept of love? Last week it was five weeks, but this week it's just four more weeks. Are you willing to, to find out, is living a life of love the key to the greatest of relationships? And maybe you want to ask, answer this question. What relationships are you holding out on? Is it your relationship with God? Is it your relationship with other people in your life? The reality is this, that you may not get another chance to get that fixed. I remember uh, when my mom w went into the hospital. Um, I'd actually been up here, drove down, uh, stopped, and she, she was in the hospital. And so I, I relieved my sister. I stayed the night with her. And sometime in the middle of the night, she woke up, and, and she, uh, I said, said something to her. She recognized my voice, big old smile across her face. And then she went back into delirium, best way to explain it. My, my sister came back and relieved me, and I was over at my brother's house helping him around uh, his yard. And my sister called and said, hey, you guys need to get here as quick as you can. They're um, about to put her on a ventilator. And once they do that, we may not be able to talk to her very much or communicate with her. So we rushed to the hospital. It was too late. They already had her on the ventilator. Ultimately, seven days later, uh, she, she died. And one of the things that I carry to this day is that uh, our relationship, my mom loved me. My mom was my biggest fan. She was my biggest supporter. She believed in me when no one else did. And yet the last thing that happened on a conversation with us was an argument. And, and I spoke to her in a way that I shouldn't. And I never got a chance to get that right. I prayed to God that, that, that I don't know how it works, but um, I've asked him to, to tell her. And one day when I get to heaven and I see her again, that, that'll probably be the first words out of my mouth. And I'm here to tell you, you may not get another chance. You know, the things that you take for granted, the things that you um, are complaining about today, uh, when they're gone, you're going to be desperate to have them back. And the question is not if, but when are you going to regret it? And more often than not, it's when you have no chance 
of recovering it. How about your relationship with Christ? What are you holding back on? Are you giving him the same amount of love that he is pouring out on your life? Have you found out that your efforts after fame and achievement have fallen on hollow sounds? Maybe you've realized that the power that you've acquired and the knowledge, it's, been, it's meaningless now. And maybe you realize that the wealth that you have in your bank account and in your house and all of the toys that go with that, that that investment has left you bankrupt because the relationships in your life are empty. It doesn't have to stay that way. That is the amazing. See, we, we talk about changing, but the Bible, God talks about transforming. And God wants to transform your life, and he can. It was beautiful uh, over the last couple of weeks working with a, a couple to watch them go from almost certain divorce <clears throat> into uh, a relationship that both of them are, are fighting for. Both of them are willing to go all in on. Both of them are willing to change the way that they love each other. What needs to change in your life? I'll leave you with that question and I'll close in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much that you have allowed us to just read the words in 1 Corinthians 13. And God, I pray that you would allow us as Christ followers to live these words out. Lord, not to have lives that are meaningless or hollow or bankrupt, God, but rather lives that, that are overbounding and, and living out a generous love. God, please bless that. Bless each of those that are here listening, whether it's today on this Sunday morning or whatever day or hour that they come across this. God, allow your Holy Spirit just to speak to their hearts and reassure them that all is not lost. Those relationships that they've given up on, those relationships that they've uh, had self-destructive behaviors in, Lord, there is an opportunity. And God, that you specialize in transforming broken. You specialize in in transforming lives that are beyond hope. God, we give you the praise and we ask you just uh, keep everyone safe. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring us all back together next week one more time as we uh, join together online. We love you and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.